0: We have been talking a great deal about Suffolk County in New York State and the case of the Long Island serial killer. It has attracted not national, but international and worldwide attention. And since there's been an arrest in this case, since Rex Heuerman, an architect, has been tied to three or four of the murders, In this case, and again, we're talking about 10 or 11 potential victims, so much of the attention has focused on why did this take so long? Why did it take the Suffolk County Police Department and the local authorities so long to track down this killer when all the evidence was right there before them? And it seems to me that a good Part of the explanation for that is, at least at the beginning of this investigation, this investigation was hindered by someone that did whatever he could to keep the FBI away, that being the former Suffolk County Police Department chief, James Burke. Now, it certainly didn't help matters that the former Suffolk County DA and his top assistant, also were up to no good and had an interest in keeping the FBI and other investigative authorities potentially away. But what does this mean and where are we? Well, these questions have been thrust into a whole new light because last week, James Burke, who went to prison, remember, while he was Suffolk County Police Chief, for beating up a heroin addict that broke into his car and stole a duffel bag full of his sex toys and pornography, this James Burke, the very same one that became that went from being a police chief to a federal felon, he was arrested again last week and charged with prostitution. Now, he was treated just like anybody else who was soliciting a prostitute. He was out within a day and given basically a summons. Well... What do we know about James Burke and his potential history with prostitution? Somebody that has studied this at length, perhaps more than anybody over the course of the neck of the last decade is Guy Malone, a Long Islander whose ex-wife had a relationship with former Suffolk County Police Chief James Burke. Guy, uh, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. I appreciate you staying up late with us.
1: Thank you. It's always my pleasure.
0: So, Guy, let's uh, paint the picture for people here. Before we get into the specifics of your situation with your ex-wife, tell us about your ex-wife, uh, Heather Malone. Who, who is or who was Heather Malone?
1: Oh boy. Okay. Uh, First, let's clarify this. Um, My story started back in 1999 and relates to activities that occurred between Heather and Mr. Burke in the year 1998 and a little bit prior. Okay. I um, uncovered all this because at that time in beginning of 1999, January 99. Uh, my wife started divorce proceedings against me, uh, which was not normal divorce proceedings. Um, We had been married for 14 years. We got married back in 1985. So we were married for 14 years from 1985 to 89. We had one daughter, five years old at the time. Um, It was a very contentious relationship on and off. Uh, A lot of strange things going on. And uh, I began to get very suspicious of her and her activities. I knew nothing of James Burke, um, but things had been building to a point where there was going to be a major blow-up. And that mm-hmm. occurred January 21st, 1999. Did you guys have children at the time? Well, I said we had one daughter that one was daughter. five years old back in 1999.
0: Got it. Yes. So when did you first encounter the name James Burke?
1: Okay. So as I said, January 21st, 1999 was the day that everything erupted. But about two weeks prior, it was a Sunday. Things had been going very terrible between me and my wife. She um, was lying in bed one early evening, and she asked me to go down into the kitchen to get a paperback book that was in her purse that she had been reading. So I said, okay, went down, opened up the purse, and. As I was looking for the book, I found a badge, a police badge. Now, this wasn't a little shield. It was a full-size badge. And all it was attached to an index card. And on the index card, it said, To Heather Malone, which is my wife, from, and it said, Detective Sergeant James Burke. That's the first knowledge I even had of this guy existing. So I went back upstairs, brought her the book, and uh, I just mentioned who's James Burke. I didn't tell her I found the badge. Sure, And she, she jumped up out of bed, looked at me, shocked, and she just said, oh, uh, he's a client of mine. I cut his hair. She was a haircutter. And I didn't say anything. I didn't want to start an argument, but I did remember it, put it in the back of my head, that name James Burke. That's the first I knew or found out about him. All
0: right, and then did there come a time where you learned that your wife might have been involved in prostitution?
1: Yes, so back on down to january 21st, it's january twenty first a couple of weeks later, and my wife was coming home very late at night, and I was getting really concerned and suspicious. so this one night she comes walking in it's about it's a thursday it's a Thursday night she comes walking in about ten p m and she has this really tight Black dress on. I mean, it looked like she just took a can of spray paint and spray painted it on her. Very, very sexy dress. And I confronted her. And I wanted to know where she was, what was going on. And all she said to me was, oh, I've been roundabout, none of your business. So we got into a big argument, needless to say. And during the argument, she hauled off and she punched me as hard as she could in my uh, right temple of my head. Almost knocked me out. It took me about five, ten seconds to regroup myself. When I did, I came at her real hard. I was got right in her face yelling at her, and I stepped on her foot. She was barefoot at the time. And I put a bruise on her foot, probably the size of a quarter. Well, she was infuriate, infuriated. She ran into the other room, called the police. They, and this is the same precinct now that Burke works at, the fourth precinct, Suffolk County. And um, they came and they arrested me from my house. They said, you assaulted your wife. And I said, well, I did nothing of the sort. She punched me in the head. They said, sorry, uh, she has a bruise on her foot. We're taking you in. So they arrested me. Um, and on the way to the um, precinct, to jail, I kept telling the, the cop who was driving me there that she punched me in the head. She punched me in the head. He just said, look, he was on my side. He said, I, he said there's nothing you could do. She called the police. She's got the bruise. So they arrested me. And that's when um, the divorce proceedings started, right at that point. I wasn't allowed back in my house for 45 days.
0: So from that instance, you know, I mean, that's a very sad situation, but uh, that's, I think, a pretty common example of, uh, you know, domestic, a domestic dispute. How did you learn after that that she was involved in prostitution?
1: Well, okay. So, within a day or so, like I said, I couldn't get back in my house. I had to stay at a friend's house. My phone started ringing. A lot of people, friends of mine that knew her, started calling me when they found out that she had me arrested. And they, they were shocked. And they said, are you kidding me? She arrested you? And they all had stories. Nothing um, that might have said she was a prostitute, but stories of her illicit affairs These stories were way too detailed for me to to kind of just say, ah, they're not true. They were very explicit about things that had gone on, people that she had affairs with. So I got very suspicious immediately. I said, something's going on here. Um, So I hired two private investigators, and I asked for my phone records. I called the phone company up and said I wanted my phone records for the entire year of 1998. Okay? And I started an investigation on my own. Um, I, maybe about a week or two later, I got the phone records and now I was looking at, it was hundreds of pages long because every phone call that was made from my house for the year 1998. And I began to see a phone number popping up that was been called maybe six, seven, ten times a day, same number. And it was called in rapid succession, meaning I'll uh, give you an example. 9 a.m. was called. 9.01 a.m. was called. 9.02 a.m. it was called. And I was wondering this is very suspicious. I had, and so I called the number. Wanted to see what it was. And I got a recording. Uh, and the recording said, you've reached uh, faces and na- nails and faces by Bonnie, who was her friend. Please leave a message. And I was very suspicious. I said, wait, that's her best friend why would she be calling a number that what that was supposedly for a business which did not exist i knew her friend didn't have an have an existing business and doing it like so many times in a row in the same day so i gave the number to the um private investigator i said you got to find out what this is and at first they they wouldn't do it it was an unlisted phone number and they said we can't do it and that became me even more suspicious why would she'd be calling a number of her best friend, which is unlisted, when, I, when she has her girlfriend's phone number, you know, the regular phone number. So I said, no, I want you to find out what it's all about. So I had to pay extra money. Needless to say, I got a report back from the investigator saying the number was a page net, which is a beeper, and it was registered to a Jane, that's Jane, J-A-N-E, Burke, and it gave the address to Samus Drive, Smithtown, And now I'm wondering, wait a minute, Jane Burke, 2 Samus Drive, Smithtown? I'm thinking back a couple of weeks earlier, I found a badge in her purse that said James Burke. So I have a friend that owned a business in the neighboring town, Kings Park, uh, was a a bakery. And a lot of the police from the 4th precinct, which is the precinct that James Burke was affiliated with, you know, would go in there for, excuse me, coffee and donuts, so he contacted me, and I went to see him. And he said, "Oh yeah, yeah." He goes, "Everybody knows about James Burke in that precinct." And I says, "Well, how do you know?" He's all the police and come into my bakery, and they talk about him, and they don't like him. I says, "Really? What 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 do you know about James Burke?" He says, "Well, needless to say, he does not have a wife named Jane Burke. He doesn't have a sister. He does live at Two Samus Drive, Smithtown." And he's been previously busted for prostitution by the Suffolk County Police back in 1995. I go, really? I go, what else do you know? He says, well, it had to do with a a woman, uh, a prostitute, by the name of Loretta Rickenbacker. And he said that she um, took his gun and he got caught. And the Suffolk County Police at that time reprimanded him. They busted him in rank. And they transferred him from the second prison in Suffolk County to the first prison. And this all happened back in 1995. Now this is 1999. So right away, I'm starting to put two and two together. I go, wait a minute. This guy's got the beeper. It's not registered. His name it's a fictitious name. So I went back to my investigator and I said, tell me more about this page net. And she says, well, what it is, is it's a, um, It's a pager that people call into and leave messages. And the only way you can pick up messages is you you have to call in, which is what Heather was doing, to pick pick up a message. And I said, well, why would she be calling in seven, eight times in a row? And she said, because you could only pick up one message at a time. So that meant she had maybe five, six, or seven messages. So each time she would call in, she had to get one message, hang up, call in again. So now this was all starting to make a lot of sense to me, like something's going on here. And um, so I called up a friend of mine who I don't want to give his name because he's he's a retired Suffolk County police detective. This is back again, 1999. And I said to him, what's going on here? What's, tell me about James Burke. And as soon as I said the name James Burke, this guy didn't like Burke either. He said, oh, we know all about him. He said, go to internal affairs immediately with what you have. And I realized, whoa, this must be something big, okay? He's telling me to go to Internal Affairs. So I did. I brought my phone records to Internal Affairs. Um, They had me there for about the entire day, interviewing me, showed him everything. And within a week of going to Internal Affairs, he shut the beeper number down. So he got wind of it that I went to Internal. He knew that I went to Internal Affairs. And Internal Affairs had the case for two years. Um, And I had numerous meetings with them. uh, as I found out more information about what was going on. I remember I had two investigators working the case. Um, Yeah, this thing went on for two years.
0: So how did you come to determine for sure... That this was a prostitution ring that your wife, your ex-wife, worked for, and that James Burke was running, was it? Was the smoking gun the the pager and the and the phone records?
1: Yeah, that was the smoking gun. You got to remember uh, the the reason why I asked for the phone records was because I was, I had a lot of very detailed stories from very close friends of mine about her what she was doing and some of the people she had been meeting and having sex with. Okay. And so at the first, when they first started telling me about that, I didn't even think of prostitution. I just thought, okay, she's cheating right. on me. But then then when I found out what Burke was up to um, from my contacts at the bakery, um, I found out about the beeper, what was going on with the beeper. Okay. Uh, and then I had another very, very um, detailed story for one of my friends that, you know, saw what was going on. He he had to date everything. He told me a story that was this one day where um, we weren't separated yet, me and my wife. It was, it was back in January before we had a big argument. And um, Remember, I had a five-year-old daughter. So one day I actually called. I was working. I called my house and my wife wasn't there. And it was strange because my daughter was home from school with like a fever of 101. And who was there was the, we had a babysitter. The babysitter was there. It was the middle of the day. And I said, where's Heather? Oh, she had errands to run. She had to run out, so she called me. I didn't think anything of it. But I just thought it was strange. Why would she run out and do errands with my daughter? 101 fever. So now after I had been arrested, this is like three weeks later, and people were coming out telling me stories. My good friend said, hey, guy, and he gave me the date. He go, And that was the date that my wife had left the baby home sick. He says, you know, I saw your car parked in a strip mall. And he goes, I thought it was you. Um, so I was looking for you in all the stores. And how he knew it was my car, I have, a, I have a special license plate on my car. Okay. So he knew he knew my license plate, and, he's, and he knows my car. And he says, I couldn't find you. He says, but then all of a sudden I see another car pull up next to your car, and driven by a man, and I see Heather get out of the car. She walks over, talks to the man for 15 seconds, they kiss, and she gets back in your car and drives away. And then I put two and two together, and I remember, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. She, that's the day that she told mm. the babysitter that my daughter was sick, okay, and she probably had a, a prearranged appointment with this guy, um, and she and she was stuck in a bind because she was stuck home with my daughter, who should have been in school. So if she called the babysitter to come where she could do this little affair or whatever was going on with this guy. But he gave me a statement under oath. I have still have the statement. Under, or I had him, you know, go under oath to give it to me. Um, and there was other things about Burke, sure. specifically about Burke, that um, we uncovered through statements from witnesses. Um, and also, at the time, my wife had a very her best friend was a friend of mine also. She's one of the first people that came to me to tell me stories about my wife, and she had very detailed stories, very detailed stories, because they were best friends about some of the things that she was doing. Um, So it was just, nobody had the entire story. It was like a jigsaw puzzle. People coming out of the woodwork, having their own encounters with her. Another person came to me and said, he... um, she propositioned her, him in a diner. He said he gave me the exact information. She and he looked at her. She was a nut and said, "No, I'm not getting involved with you." But she actually, you know, propositioned him about uh, whatever.
0: Yeah, uh, talking with uh, Guy Malone about the uh, James James Burke situation. Did your ex wife ever deny this? Did you ever ask her if she was involved in pro- prostitution? And and if you did, what was her response?
1: Well, during the divorce proceedings, um, she obviously lied about everything. Okay, I still have the transcripts, by the way. We, I went to trial with my divorce. It went on for two years. And we have, we have um, statements from Jim Burke den- under oath. Under oath, I have the transcript. He absolutely denied getting ever involved with any prostitution, which we all know is completely false. This was done in the year 2000. He also was very upset. When he found out that I knew about the beeper and under oath, he was shocked and he wouldn't give any information. And he just kept saying, how did did I find out about that? I should not have known about it because it was an unlisted phone number, which also shows that it was not legitimate. Um, And as far as Heather is concerned, oh, yeah, she she did not even having anything other than a friendly relationship with James Burke. Um, and To this day, 20 some odd years later, she still denies it. But I'll tell you a a really interesting story. Back in 1998, the year before that, um, you know, this all happened, uh, it was in the summer of 98. My daughter now, was only four years old. And out of the clear blue, Heather comes up to me and says, oh, I'm going down to to a beach house in North Carolina for a week. And supposedly she was going with her sister who lived down there. And she just said to me, I'm going and you'll have to take care of my daughter who's four for the entire week. And I just looked at her and I said, I mean, are you, really? I mean, you're going go for the whole week, leave your four-year-old daughter home? She goes, yeah, don't worry about it. She goes, I'll be fine. So she went. And when she went, the whole time she never called me once. I didn't know where she was. I had no forwarding number, nothing. I didn't know where she was. And I, Oh, she had a cell phone, but I called her and she wouldn't answer it. So I was really upset. Um, and this is when things were going really bad between the two of us. So now she came back and she said, oh, it was a great vacation, me and my sister, and that's all I got. So now fast forward to 1999, the next year, and now I know about James Burke. We're already going through the divorce proceedings. And I, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something was not right about that trip. So now Internal Affairs has the case already. So I went to Internal Affairs. And I gave him the dates. I just tell me, did James Burke... Was he on vacation that week? And they got back to me. They go, yeah. Why would you ask? I said, bingo. Now I know. She went to North Carolina with James Burke. Okay. We're still married, by the way. And Heather had no idea that I knew about this. No idea. I didn't tell her. And in 2001, when we had our trial for divorce, we hit her with that. She was shocked. How did you find out that? And she denied it at first, saying, oh, no, no, no. Um, yeah, we were just on the same plane going to the same place at the same time. But it was just coincidence. Guys, I have yeah, I have this on the oath. Guy, I'm just
0: about uh, – we're just about out of time. I have to run, but I have to ask this. A lot of people uh, have been wondering how James Burke got to be the police chief and I'm wondering, since you brought all this to internal affairs and, as I understand it, even went to the media about this, what was their reaction? Did they just sit on this and, and not react when you brought all this this evidence suggesting that Burke was actually running a prostitution ring that your wife was a part of? How does the police department just sit on this?
1: Well, for 12 years, they did. They, I was, they used the excuse that I was a scorned husband, jilted husband that it wasn't true, that I was, you know, being exaggerating. And then in 2012, when he became head of the Suffolk County Police Department, I basically went to bed on this for 10 years. I just said, forget it. But then when I saw he became head of the police, I went to Newsday again, and I brought it up again. And all of a sudden, now people started taking interest in my story 10, 12 years later. Um, And that's when it really became a very prominent story. And at the same time, you got to remember The Gilgo Beach murders were hitting the news, and all of a sudden, people now became interested. I no longer was a jilted husband, and everything was buried by the police when I went to them originally because Jim Burke was on a fast track to becoming, you know, top cop, and they weren't going to let my little uh, case get in the way, okay, and we got buried. But all of a sudden now, they got egg on their face because I'm not letting this go. Guy,
0: okay. uh, we're going to have to end it there. I appreciate you uh, revisiting some uh, aspects of your life, which uh, I know can't be easy to talk about. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Yes.
0: Th- thank you. Guy Malone, if you want to uh, comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. You certainly can comment on any other aspects of uh, of the show that we've covered today. Already covered a lot of ground. We'll get into it. 800-848-9222 straight ahead.